Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Olivia. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I would love it if you could start by telling us a little bit about your background and uh, your company. How did you get into this work? Okay. Thank you for that question. Well, I've been in the communication field for decades and I started out in the corporate environment in a manufacturing company and worked my way up more in regarding marketing roles and management and admin and so on and so on. And um, at that time when I was young, I was I consider myself an introvert and shy and knew that I had to show up and and have a voice, but was certainly not comfortable with it. But I found myself in roles requiring where I had to do more speaking roles and training and so on. So I, I learned over the years to get more comfortable with it. And really just my profession evolved. I ended up living overseas and living in a non-native English-speaking country where I still wanted to continue working, but I wasn't sure how to do that given I didn't know the native language, local language well enough. So I ended up helping executives and leaders and others, upcoming leaders with being able to have a voice in English. So focusing on business English and varying, varying communication aspects. And uh, so when I moved back to the States five years later, I decided to uh, further my education. I had an undergraduate degree and I just kept going and got an MBA and and, uh, another master's degree and then got a specialist degree and kept going. And so I ended up doing roles in consulting and work with large companies like Hewlett Packard and and a variety of different industries and so on. And, and, um, and with that, I ended up getting a job teaching at the university level. So I did that part-time to start and ended up being full-time. And I taught communication, so managerial communication, business communication. And with that is, is a lot of different forms of communications, but specifically speaking. And I found that over the years working with so many different students and at uh, this was Boise State University, which has a, a pretty significant percentage of students who are considered older than just right out of college. So I had a range of students. But what I found with communication is what most people really needed to or wanted to improve on was public speaking. And also people were not comfortable with public speaking. They knew that they needed to improve on it, but they didn't want to, if you will. They were not comfortable. They were afraid of it and so on. So from that I and having my own experience, knowing the importance of public speaking and how it's important for anyone in their career and personal profession, and that really that's such a need for it, I decided to then branch off and and become a coach and started my own business, which is what I have now. It's called Speaktopia. And so we help individuals to find their voice and to feel comfortable with speaking in any situation. And really just know that it just to get to that level where it's not so scary and to have some tools and things that they can apply on the spot to alleviate the fears and just be a lot more targeted to achieve whatever their communication goal is.
It's so true. It's something that we all need, no matter the profession, really forget even profession, no matter what sort of life we lead, uh, it's always, <clears throat> it's always going to come in handy. And it's very interesting when you, when you describe yourself as an introvert, um, because I know that people who identify as introverted or shy, this does, you know, this can be challenging for them. But what's interesting to me is that I don't identify as, as an introvert or shy. I, I actually can be pretty intro extroverted, but I also find it challenging and probably for different reasons, which, uh, you know, makes me think about some of the common mistakes that you see people making. And I'll, I'll say for me, I tend to uh, over speak, over explain, and I'm not always great at keeping things kind of concise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that is certainly what a common, if we can categorize it as a mistake that people make. And that is Exactly that, where people tend to overspeak. They tend to provide too much detail regarding something. And that's all right. It's not always bad. If, if your audience is absorbing it and they want to know as much as they can about whatever you're speaking about, that's great. But it doesn't work in all situations. And especially if it's not targeted to what you specifically want to say. So when someone is going all over the place, trying to formalize and formulate what they're thinking to try to get their point across, and they're not really sometimes even sure what that point is, then it can be frustrating for all involved. <laughs> so many, and especially in business, because we only have so much time. We're, we're inundated with uh, requests and needs and information and so on. And so for most people, they want to just know immediately, okay, tell me what, what's your point? What, what, what do I need to know? And we can go on into the details later if there's time and, and need, but just what, what is the key topic? What's the point? <laughs> so, so let's back up a little bit. Tell me about the real fundamentals of public speaking as you see it. Okay. Here's the fundamentals. And this is what I encourage anyone with, with what you can focus on to help improve and what can really make a big difference in being able to speak effectively. And the first thing is called, so I'll say the four, it's knowledge, um, passion, audience, and delivery. Those are the four key principles. Knowledge is important because when you know your topic well, it's a lot easier to talk about it. It's just, it's not right. If I said, okay, tell me about a, a vacation that you really loved. You can probably go right there. And not only can you tell me about it pretty quickly, but you'll probably feel really good about it. And that will convey in your delivery. That passion can shine through and can be quite engaging. When you don't know your topic very well, then it's hard. You're looking for the words to say. And if for most people, they don't want to come across as stupid or incompetent. And uh, so it's just, it's an uncomfortable area. So, and also keep in mind that if you are asked to speak about, about something, usually it's because the person who's asking you thinks at least that you already know something about the topic. And if you volunteer to speak about something, it's because you probably already know at least enough about the topic that you feel comfortable enough to volunteer. But I recommend that if there is any kind of speaking event coming up where one can plan for it, to do even more research as needed to learn, at least get up to speed on, on the latest of that topic. So that could be maybe the latest credible research that's out there. 
even knowing who your audience is to know what their motivation is for the topic, what might be pros and cons, what's the latest in the news and the head headlines and so on, so that you can get up to speed and be able to converse with it forward, backward in a number of different situations. The other thing is passion. Because as I explained in the vacation scenario, when you are passionate about it, you feel good about it, that will be, as I said, that'll be conveyed well in your delivery. Now, you don't always have that choice of being able to pick a topic that you are passionate about. You might have to talk about budget cuts <laughs> um, or maybe um, streamlining a process or changing a policy or some kind of information that the audience may not really welcome and want to hear about. And if that's the case, then I recommend at least getting up to speed and understanding what the benefit of that information is. Why does the audience need to know that? If they don't understand the reasoning behind it and how they, why they need to know about it, they're less likely to accept it. But conversely, if they do, then they may not like receiving it, but at least they will probably agree with it and, under, and understand it and then and go forward. So always understand whatever the message is, what the benefit is to your audience. And if you can't answer that, then learn why. And if you still can't get the, a solid understanding, then consider whether it's you are the best person to deliver that or what other steps you need to do to get to that point. The other thing that's important is to understand who the audience is. Really get to know them. I, if you, you could certainly, for example, if you, you, you talk to third grade level students about graduate PhD level science information, unless they're really smart and up to speed on that, it's, you might as well talk to a wall. And just spewing from the mouth information, it's, it's only as effective as your audience can well understand it in a way that you want them to. So it can be very helpful just to know who you are talking about. And that includes understanding what their uh, knowledge is of whatever you're talking about, whether they're passionate about it, whether they really understand it, are they against it for it? Maybe demographics is it could be affect the delivery effectiveness, their age level, their education level. You don't want to use too many acronyms that they may not understand. There's certainly specific terminology for every community and company. And do they understand those phrases and uh, jargon and so on? And it also includes their preferred method of delivery. Uh, do they prefer to be spoken to face to face or do they prefer to communicate by video through online or telephone or in written format, whatever it is. So understanding all of these means can remove any of the fuzz, the static, uh, the barriers that can prevent effective communication. Uh, now, you might need to use a combination. When I say you, of course, this is all to anyone that this is applicable to. You, you may need to use a combination of delivery types so that you can reach wide audiences. And because um, we're not, we're, they're not, we're not all the same. And the last part is the delivery. And this is also equally as important as all of the other things. You can do as much 
preparation as you can, which can really well set you up, but you still have to deliver the message. And so that is, and what we can talk about that, but how do you, being able to uh, articulate well and communicate it specifically and clearly what you want your audience to hear. So that includes your vocals, it includes your whole presence, uh, being able to appear confident and credible, what people see, what you wear, and so on and so on. So we can, we could, I could spend a lot of time talking about delivery in itself, but primarily these are the four fair, excuse me, four <laughs> key areas that can affect communication and public speaking. And you said your presence made me think about, you know, communicating in a virtual setting. And I'm wondering what are some of the mistakes that you notice people make specifically over Zoom or on Teams, et cetera? Uh, and what are some of the tips that you give for those who are, you know, primarily communicating their messages and presenting virtually? All right. Great question, especially as this has been more applicable in general since the pandemic hit and we've all been <laughs> had to go work from home and a lot of us are still working remotely. Uh, but one of the, so I think for a lot of people have learned now over these years what, are, what works more and what doesn't. But I still see these common things that come up. Keep in mind that your audience is the eye of the camera and try to at least gaze at the camera. Try to look at your audience in the eye because this applies whether you're in person or not. It engages your audience and it helps them to show up as well, helps them to focus. But it shows that you are, you're focused on them. It's always about them. It's always about your audience. So don't forget that camera. Obviously think, you know, you might have screens in different locations. And if you have a lot of people on your screen, then you're looking at them. That's, we tend to do that because for most people, you do look at people in the eye when, when they speak. Uh, so for example, right now I'm looking, I have a little monitor above, above my computer screen. And so I hope, it, you know, I assume that it looks like I'm looking directly at you, but if I want to see your face, I have to look down to see your face. <laughs> so, so there's that. And then also that whatever the camera picks up is what your audience sees. So what is in the background? Is there anything distracting you certainly wouldn't want to have any sensitive information in the background that you wouldn't want your audience to see or just that can distract from you. You as the speaker, your audience should be able to clearly see you. So just consider what the lighting is. You can. It, the nice thing about the online formatting and video and all of these, these various ways to communicate online is that we can set it up before we actually meet. So you can, you can play around with, adjust it. What does the lighting look best? Record yourself. Uh, record yourself with just the audio and see how you sound. Record yourself with the video with the sound turned off to see what you look like. Put it together. And so then you can at least try to get a setup as best as possible. And then, of course, just understanding and knowing the technology well enough that you don't have any hiccups, especially if it's you that are that is leading the presentation and running the presentation. Another mistake uh, that I notice people make and I myself make virtual or in person is using filler words. So using like, 
saying, um, I notice a lot of people use sort of kind of, how do we break the habit of using (laughs) all of these filler words? Because it really does take away from the message. And also it, it detracts from, it, it takes away from our confidence level or how we, how confident we appear, I think. Yeah, that's key. Often we don't even know that sometimes we're doing that unless it's called out to us. It, the answer to that really is to, to put effort into it. And it does take work, but you can train yourself not to do that. And uh, I'll, I'll share with you some ways to do that. I have, for me, it, it helps me, but I have to keep at it. And periodically, I'll, I'll find that I tend to kind of fall back and start using the filler words because it, we hear it all the time and we learn from others and what we pick up, just like slang and terminology and how language evolves. Well, that applies that language evolving when we hear others using filler words, then we may repeat that as well. So here are a few things that one can do. And I recommend taking just a paragraph, any kind of text. If you have a script, you could take advantage of that to help prepare for it. But it doesn't have to be just any kind of, of wording content. And then you you could uh, like take one sentence and after between every word, purposely fill it in with the same word. So I'll say tree. Uh, let's say the sentence is. I like to eat strawberries. So then I would out loud say, I tree, like tree, two tree, eat tree, strawberries tree. And I'll do that several times. And then I would not do tree after every word, but then I would do tree in between, in between sentences or phrases. So I would say, I like to eat strawberries tree because they taste great tree. Next time I might bake with them tree and so on and so on. So you do that multiple times and then you start to remove that word. So then you, you don't have anything, but you consciously count like one, 1,001, one, 1,002, one, 1,003. So I would say, I like to eat strawberries. And then I count silently one, 1,001, one, 1,002, one, 1,003. And then I continue to do that. Uh, in between the sentences. So you do that multiple times. And what you're doing is you're training your brain not to fill in that space with anything. And it does work. It does take effort. Do it for one week, every single day, just set aside maybe one minute even. You can do five minutes. That's that's great. And it absolutely does work. You'll catch yourself. And when you speak, you'll have learned that when you speak in between sentences, you're not filling it in with anything. I love now, that. there are tools out there. There's uh, software programs that you can record yourself. They're uh, Udly. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Y-O-O-D-L-I. That's one that comes to mind. And I certainly won't, don't want to. Uh, if there are other ones, I'm not that I that, that are. There's other ones. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. suggesting one. Anyone could to do a, a search and find out. But they record. You can record it. And they'll also, AI will tell you how many filler words that you use. And uh, so you can, you can actually get that detail. 
and then keep practicing, keep practicing and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about so when I when the when I think of these filler words, I'm imagining maybe more impromptu public speaking scenarios. So what are some of the specific tips that you have for impromptu public speaking? And then I think I'd love to talk to you about elevator pitches, because okay. that's something that I think all of us benefit from having in our back pocket. Right, right. Well, the thing about impromptu speaking that when with public speaking, most a lot of people are fearful of is just not being able to prepare. It's that not knowing what you're going to be asked and not knowing how you are going to respond. So that translates a lot of times into the questions. What kind of questions am I going to get? And you don't want to have that deer in the headlights effect where you're not sure what to say. Thing about impromptu speaking, which can also help with filler words, is to take advantage of the pause. Give yourself a little bit of time to reflect on what to say. If it's a question, you don't have to immediately just open your mouth and start talking. You don't want to have the diarrhea of the mouth where you're just getting words out there until you finally get out what you think you want to say. So pause, reflect, consider the motivation behind the question or the comment, what that person might be looking for. You're still, you want to go through that, the knowledge, the audience, passion, and all of those kinds of things. And it can happen very quickly. And then just genuinely respond. You don't always have to be the expert on everything. You don't always have to know everything. You want to be as authentic as possible. Now, there are formulas and some templates, if you will, with impromptu speaking that might be helpful, especially regarding formal public speaking. If you had to get up and Maybe you were asked to fill in for a guest speaker or you had to give an update on the status of a work project or something and you didn't weren't expecting that to happen. Stop, take a breath, take a breath, calm yourself. And uh, if you have a moment, maybe just jot down a few notes of things that you want to talk about. And then and then go ahead and just start speaking. Sometimes that's the best way is to just get started. Just if you have those that anxiety, getting it out can help. But one of the um, some of the easy easiest template is the what we've learned in school and writing, especially when you have to write reports and in speaking. And that's the tell them what you are going to tell them. I call this the three T's. Tell them and then tell them what you told them. It doesn't have to be boring. I know that there are cliches regarding this and jokes that have been done about this. But it's a pretty solid structure. And that is where you just let them know, okay, I'm going to tell you about this. It's that more direct, gives them a head up, your audience a head up, gives them an idea of what's coming. And it also helps give you a little bit of time to formulate your thoughts as well. So I'm going to talk to you about why strawberries are really beneficial and why you might enjoy them. All right, bring that out. And then usually just maybe one to three points that support whatever you're going to talk to them about. So you talked about those those key points, and then just kind of wrap it up. Tell them what you told them. Quick summary of the highlights of what you told them, maybe include a call to action if that is applicable of what you want them to do. So that's one option. Another option could be what um, this is called C, S-E-E, which stands for Statement, Evidence, and Emotion. And this might be beneficial when you have information your your audience needs to know. Maybe it's regarding a specific action or opinion and so on. 
but you have diverse audience types. So you give some kind of a statement and then follow that up with any kind of clear, credible evidence. Uh, and this like persuasion, if you're trying to persuade them to, to do something and then maybe tie that into emotion. Maybe let's say that you're in a board meeting and that the board is recommending that one of your staff members get let go. They don't think that person is for whatever reason. Um, and you know that person is you don't want to let that person go. So you you want to quickly have to support and try to convince the board to keep this person. So then you might have a statement like, oh, uh, Jim, he's a really solid uh, employee very valuable to the company. So there's this statement and the evidence could be maybe a track record of what he's done well. He has been the key person instrumental in uh, bringing in such and such sales and so on and so on. And then maybe throw in a few numbers that support that. And then the emotional part would be, and he's really good with the staff who love them. I've heard numerous reports how much people really enjoy working with him and they have fun and so on and so on. So those are two. There are many uh, different structures with impromptu speaking. It can be helpful if you have at least a few in mind that you can pull out on the spot. And I, I don't want people to get hung up. I don't want people to try to like, oh, no, I can't remember. They're asked a question and like, oh. Uh, this person told me that I should pull this structure out and I don't remember what it is. So I just, just take that deep breath in, keep in mind what is asked of you and what you can share regarding that. And if all else fails, just be realistic with people and just say, you know, that's a, such a great question. I, I'm trying to think of an, I don't know the answer if you really don't honestly know, uh, or if you need want to get a re learn yourself like oh i'd love to know myself is it all right if i do some research and get back to you on that uh, or draw other people in you don't have to always take the responsibility of addressing what is asked of you often if you're with a group of people there might be someone in the group who does know something solid about that information and you could just ask i um you know I, i'm not quite up to speed but does anyone else know anything more about this. So something like that. Great point. And is there a specific structure to an elevator pitch specifically? Okay. Well, an elevator pitch essentially is just a very concise, a concise, short speech. It's as really as simple as that. But many people would think of an elevator pitch is being able to persuade the audience to do something, which is often the case. An elevator pitch usually is done when you know that you think your audience won't give you a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time to make a difference or it's that first impression that people will you know, we're human. And so if we don't know someone, especially, and maybe let's like a job interview and a candidate comes in and is asked questions. And the, the first question could be, okay, well, tell me about yourself. And that response can be the elevator pitch because that can really set the stage, if you will, for how the interviewers, uh, how, what they think about that, that person, that potential candidate and uh, whether it, it uh, continues not and affects their interest and so on. Elevator pitches, and I'm going to answer your question. I'm kind of in a roundabout way here about strategies, but I think it's important to have this little background information about what they are. 
when you're pitching to potential investors and you need that elevator pitch because they may be listening to a lot of different potential uh, startup companies. And so what makes your company different from the rest? Tell us right away and we're going to formulate an opinion based on what you say initially. So there can be a lot of pressure with that to be able to articulate your words. The thing about elevator pitches is that you still want to apply those four principles, knowing what your topic is and knowing who your audience is, knowing whether you are or, or are you asking if yourself if you are passionate about that and then the ability to deliver that well and do it all in a very short amount of time. So you can start with, well, what is my purpose? What do I hope to achieve with this communication? Do I want, if I'm uh, if I'm maybe with a stranger or you're in line somewhere and, and you can take advantage of it and uh, well, what can you do with that time? What would be most important? Do you, maybe you just, you're new into town and you just wanna know where the best restaurant is. So you come up to a stranger. So that's your purpose. Or maybe you sell something and you want this potential person to be, or this person to be a potential customer or client or whatever the, the action is that you wanted them. So know that up front. What do you hope to achieve? And then you can start there. All right. So let's say that uh, you want, you, maybe you want a new customer. Well, then you can focus on who are you speaking with and how can you determine and understand what their needs are that you can fulfill. So you might uh, then you think of how can you engage them? And there are lots of ways to do that. Sometimes you might start with a question. Okay. Uh, have you, do you have a need to, have you ever gone in front of an, uh, oh, I'll start here, sorry. Would you like to always feel confident and comfortable when speaking to any audience anywhere? And maybe I could start that with as a public speaking coach. And then, you know, see what they say. I, you need to be adaptable with it, but you still want to keep in mind whatever your purpose is and then uh, and then have different so that you can easily make it come across if it's not a rehearsed pitch, but more of a conversation. And then they might say yes or no. And if it's yes, oh, that's awesome because, and then you would provide information that, shows not only who you are, but maybe who your company is and how what you or your company does can benefit that person or benefit something that may be of interest to that person. Uh, and it might require just a little bit of conversation, but you want to have control of it. And you also want to know how to wrap it all up into a call to action. Like, oh, that is so fantastic. I, here, let me give you my business card. Um, and please, you know, whatever. Or can I get your card? Or Here's a coupon. You can apply this right away, or uh, let's you know let's get uh, whatever it is. It has to be appropriate for the situation and the person. So any kind of elevator pitch. Know whatever your purpose is. What do you hope to achieve? And then also identify who the audience is and how what you have to offer, what you want, can benefit them, and that they in a way that they can understand. And then what is your call to action? So if you're just starting out and depending on your situation, you could write all that out and uh, think through it and maybe refine it, practice it, uh, re practice it out loud, read your script out loud, try to refine out, maybe highlight the key points of what you want to say. And then just practice on different people, get feedback, people that you are comfortable practicing with and get feedback on how, what they think about it. And then be just be flexible. 
you have to give it a try. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And that's okay. If, if you give it a try on someone and it didn't go as well as you'd hoped, well, you got the practice. At least you got the feedback knowing the response of that. And then you can tweak it as needed. There are a lot of different templates regarding elevator pitches. Just you can even go online and just type that any kind of, of keyword search and you'll likely find some templates. So find one that works for you and then revise it and adapt it, practice it, get comfortable with it and never ever <laughs> say it like you had, like it comes across as memorized. It should feel good to you. You, it, it, it should resonate with you. You have to believe in what you're saying or it just makes it challenging to be able to say it. <laughs> and challenging for the person on the receiving end. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's cringy. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned earlier that it's all about the audience. So I want to talk about being mindful of your audience. How do you know if you're losing your audience beyond the obvious for instance, looking at their phones or, you know, yawning in your face. Like, <laughs> what are some of the other ways that we might know that we've kind of lost the audience? And then, you know, it'd be helpful if you could share how to save your presentation and get it back on the rails. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely important to be present and not be too caught up in the head just worried about being able to deliver a solid speech. And this is also a common experience that a lot of people have. They're really worried. They've been rehearsing, they're practicing, and it's finally go time and they get up there. They don't even know that the audience could be a complete blur because they're so focused on getting through key point one, two, three, and, and getting through all of the, the main parts of what they want to talk about. So it's important to, in your practice, uh, and even on the spot, as you develop this skill, it is a part of the skill of public speaking is just be present. Look at your audience. And some, like you said, some of the things are very obvious. But if you are too caught up in your head, you may not even be seeing that people are yawning or they have this glazed look in their eye. We we communicate a lot through our body language. And so you can decode what they're thinking and and, and so on through the body language alone. And if you have a sense that it doesn't look like everyone is engaged, uh, then that's when you need to have those tricks in mind. So stop, uh, get their audience involved, get them active. Maybe it's just to take a break. And it's like, okay, everyone, we've been at this for a while. We all need a break. Let's, let's circle back in five minutes. Or you could, lots of different tricks. So if it's online, you could, uh, do that break online, maybe uh, separate them into small group breakout sec sections and give them an activity to do. You could do a poll or a survey of some sort. Um, if it's live, maybe just have people like say, okay, everyone, let's just get up and stretch, if anything, right? Or keep seated, raise your hands up, some kind of a distraction. Uh, you could ask people questions get them thinking about it. So many different things that you can do to engage your audience, get them back on board and get them to feel like they are a part of the information. If it's too much where it's just a lecture and it's just a speaker presenting, 
all effective communication is is always 50-50, even if the other side doesn't have a chance to speak. Part of, part of that 50-50 is them receiving and understanding uh, what that information is. So you, you need to have these check-ins to, in, to measure and check to see if it's working and if they are on board and they understand and, and agree and so on and so on. Now you can some of the measurement systems that you can do can be to maybe um, ask them a question and if that's you have to be able to know how to manage this but ask them a question to test their understanding of what they've learned so far or what the how they are receiving the information you could give them an activity you know like an instruction maybe you're instructing people how to do something and so then say okay now your turn go ahead and do it and then you can observe and see if it's working or not and and things like that. Um, again, you could break them out into pairs or into groups, get them to talk about the topic. If people feel like they are important to the information, then they are they are involved where they can participate. They're more likely to, uh, to be interested in it and agree, buy in and respond and so on as you intended. That's all great advice. <laughs> Related, I think, to that C acronym that you shared, S-E-E, for many of the people listening, they're sharing financial information or or maybe data. How can they make that information compelling and, you know, as importantly, digestible, I guess, for non-finance folks? Uh, it, it can sometimes feel like it might be a little dry or it... it you know, people, finance people might be more accustomed to communicating to other finance people. Uh, so how do you adapt to your audience in those cases? Well, it still circles back to knowing who your audience is and what your purpose and objective of what you want them to do and know uh, and what might be their motivation for it and their method of delivery, understanding all of those kinds of things so that you can adapt your message as appropriate to that audience. A lot of times I've seen with, and I don't want to just say specifically finance people, although because in that role, you are working with a lot of data and numbers and so on, then it, it happens where you the, that group tends to do presentations and share information regarding that data. So I've worked with a lot of people, a lot of companies, organizations where they, especially when they're using any kind of visuals like slides, and they put too much information on there. And that is all right if that's what your audience needs to see. They want to see that information. But you can easily lose an audience who doesn't, is not, who is a non-financial person uh, or who they just don't resonate with all of that data and facts. Not only that, but any slide, if you have too much on there, it's not easy to see, especially if your audience is at any kind of a distance. So you put a slide up there and an overhead projector, a screen behind you, and it's full of content. It's full of numbers and charts and all these kinds of things. How can you expect your audience to easily and quickly understand that? Uh, and you don't want any slides, by the way, to be a replacement for the speech. Uh, visual aids are that they are an aid to to speaking and so they can be used very effectively so only just put key, a few words or a few numbers on there if anything if you're going to show a chart uh, maybe you need more than one slide to do that 
But just keep in mind, what is it that is most important in the amount of time that you have to share key information with your audience? So you can maybe have one slide with just a few numbers, the few bars that's really easy for your audience to see, understand, oh, look, this year we did much better than we did, or this quarter we did much better than we did last quarter. Maybe you have two bars and one's really high and one's really low. That's pretty obvious, right? Then you can go ahead and describe some of the details that go into that, given it's targeting your audience. You may need to tell a story. Storytelling is a fantastic way to engage your audience. And it doesn't have to be dry. So maybe regarding the two comparisons from last quarter to this quarter, you can talk about what those numbers mean. How did that affect whatever the the numbers relate to? Maybe it's regarding an improvement in people's economic status. And so you can talk about a specific story of little Johnny and how, you know, he had, he, he was hungry and, 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 um, I uh, wasn't doing well in school because he was hungry all the time because his family didn't have enough money. But your pro, our program did all these things for Johnny's family. And now he, Johnny gets to eat as he should normally. And he's doing better in school or something like that. Right. That's that's a little far fetched. But just hopefully you guys get an idea of the importance of not having too much detail, but just a little bit and maybe some, some strategies for how you can share that information that relates to your audience. The last thing that I want to ask you, Lisa, is about concluding a presentation. So we've talked about it a little bit. I think it was the three T's, right? So that tells us, uh, I, I think the, you have to say it again, because I don't want to, I don't want to get it wrong. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them. That's the body of your speech. Right. And then just summarize it up. Tell them what you told them. Okay. So we end with a summary of what you've told them. Give us an example of how to end a presentation. Well, you, you so to end a presentation, you're just basically wrapping it up and provide a summary of the highlights of what you talked about. We can, as humans, can only remember so much. A lot of factors go into that, of course. But even with the best intentions, if it's information that you really love and enjoy, if you're given an hour's worth of information, you're going to remember some of it, but not all of it. And so through that journey of speaking, help your audience to remember what were the key points that they need to know. So just a quick summary that wraps it all up. If you have a call to action, meaning uh, that you want your audience to do something with that information, then that should be very clear. And it's usually stated at the end of the speech, but it could be repeated multiple times. It doesn't have to always be at the end. The benefit of stating it at the end is that's the last, more mostly the last thing that your audience will hear and they're more likely then to act. If you have led them well through your presentation, and then they understand it, they get it, they know they need to do something, they are motivated to do something, then they're inspired hopefully to do something, then you let them know this is how you can do it. So what is that call to action? Maybe you want them to volunteer somewhere and they're on board, they want to, well, how can they do that? Where do they go? Do they go online? Do they need to fill in a form? Maybe you want them to come to your restaurant for dinner, the, then um, you know where is it? How do they get there? 
uh, maybe you want you've presented some kind of project update and you need people to help you. So how can they do that? Whatever it is, that should be clear at the end. And then after that, just a cordial, maybe thank people for their time, acknowledge that they did invest their time to be with you. So it's all right to have some goodwill, final chatting, parting words. You don't have to be um, the funny person. You don't have to have this special words of wisdom at the end. If you do, that's fantastic. But I know personally, I, I don't necessarily always feel comfortable with my last words of what to say. But if you have something that is good words to leave them with, great. And maybe it's just, hey, have a fantastic day. <laughs> it could be something like that. Just at least end it on a positive note. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lisa, I really want to thank you. This is so in, so interesting and helpful. I think for me personally, the biggest thing that I am going to take away is the um, power of using the pause uh, because I actually noticed that you're, you're very good at, at using the pause. Uh, it really does represent a lot of confidence and it's, it seems like it really is a very helpful tool in keeping yourself on point, keeping your message concise and, uh, I think a lot of us worry, we tend to fill the silence, right? We want to fill the silence and then we end up rambling, which <laughs> because we're afraid of the awkwardness of a pause. And in reality, the pause is demonstrating total confidence and control. So it's just, you know, a real interesting uh, tool that you've, that you've kind of, uh, brought to my attention. Yeah. And if you don't mind me elaborating a little more on Please. that, because it's a really effective tool. And I recommend people do this when you have a key point that you want to make, use that pause because it sets people up. They're like, their ears are perking like, Oh, this person's talking. And then you stop talking. Yes. And it can be a longer pause than normal, almost to the point where it might be a little uncomfortable but they're ready for you to say something. So you have their attention and then you go ahead and, and say what you want to. Now, another thing you can do is you can add your body language to this. So say your statement. And then when you have this big reveal to come up, stop, pause, lean forward into the camera. Or if you're in person, just lean forward if uh -huh. you're seated or take a step forward if you're standing. And that shows the audience that, oh, this person really is, they're serious. They mean business, something, they have something important to say. So you have their attention and then go ahead and say it. I love that. And then, yeah. And then just go ahead and lean back, take a step back and continue on. It's good to practice doing that so that you get more comfortable doing that. Mm -hmm. I love it. As I said, a very powerful tool. So Lisa, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me today. I learned a lot. I know everyone listening will learn a lot as well. And uh, it's my another big takeaway, have to practice. We all have to practice. Don't be yeah. afraid to practice. Yeah, absolutely. Just even baby steps. And you don't have to start out huge, but just start small, start speaking with intention, maybe to someone that you know well, mm -hmm. and then go from there because you will get more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Lisa. 
My pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs>